0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're here. And then, of course, we have people literally from all over Louisiana, who have evacuated here, we're glad you're here. We want to do anything we can to be a blessing to you, and if we can do that while you're here, let us know. Uh, We are very blessed, and to whom much is given, much is required, required. and so we want to do all we can. One one of the great stories, just, I I love things like this. One of our precious ladies who, who the communion cups you drank out of, and then you got through the, you know, you sat him there. She's one of the ladies that volunteers in between services to go and to just, just get, pick all up the empty ones and all that, hoping that you didn't have COVID on your fingers and stuff and that communion killed them. And, and she grabbed me in between services. She said, pastor, could I share something with you? I said, sure. She said, well, I was at super one and, uh, uh, this week, And she said, I, I, I was waiting at the sandwich meat line. And she said, it was a lady that was getting a stack of cheese. that was about this big and ham. And she said, I'm a talker. So I looked over at her and I said, um, boy, that's a lot, of, a lot of meat and a lot of cheese. And she said, well, I'm from Homa," And she said, there's a lot of people that I have to take care of because there's a lot of people staying at my house. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, just as all of us should be, She reached into her purse, pulled out a wad of cash and handed it to the lady. And the lady said, I can't take this. And she said, why did you give this to me? She said, God told me to give it to you, that's why. She took the money, turned around and started sobbing. She started sobbing then and they just hugged it out right there in front of the deli counter. Isn't it amazing what happens when you obey the Lord and when you become the hands and feet of Jesus? You know, for people who are trying to figure out their spiritual journey, Pastor Chris, Pastor Joseph, myself, our other pastors on staff, people always come to us and go, I just want, I want to really show God that I love him. I really want to grow in my spiritual journey. How can I really, really, really love God? Those are questions like that that we hear every week because those questions determine what kind of issues you wrestle with in every single area of your life, whether it's your marriage, your children, addictions, depression, fear, anxiety, all of those things are surrounded around that one question. As a matter of fact, that's not a new question that people have argued about. During the time of Jesus, there's over 500 laws of Moses plus the 10 commandments. And they would sit around Jewish scholars and argue about which was the greatest commandment. And they came to Jesus with the argument and said, Hey, we're always arguing about which is the greatest commandment. Which one is it? And he said, The greatest commandment is this to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your and all of your strength. How can we really show God we love Him? Is it by reading our Bibles more? Is it by talking to other people about Christ more? Is it about praying more? Well, all of those are a way, but during moments like this, Jesus made it really clear how we could show God that we love him and show others. By the way, before I tell you what that is and tell you what Jesus said about that, how many of you know that God really loves Cajuns? How many of you know Cajuns are God's favorite people? Now, some of you watching online, maybe those of you like way far away, like New Iberia, you already know this, but, but other people watching in different places around the country, Patrick, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty bold to say that God loves Cajuns more than anybody else. So I'm gonna ask you just a few questions and you can say uh, yes or no, okay? Were we the people that invented crackling? Or we the people that learned how to make chicken fricassee, okay? Or we the people who, I mean, who was the first guy that was so hungry, like he was hungry, and like he was just so hungry he didn't know what to do? It had just rained and he saw a crawfish in the ditch, and he went, "Mama, you saw that?" And went over and pulled it off. It started sucking the head till the eyes would go back. Who was the first guy that ever thought crawfish was a good idea? Moses. Moses. (laughs) I don't know what translation of the Bible you read, but don't (laughs) preach out of that. I mean, who, who looked at a frog and went, Well, if we ate that, we might as well eat that? God gave all those things to. Who did he give Tabasco to? Yeah. Who did he give Tonys to? Yeah. Who did he give the Cajun football team and LSU to? That's to increase your prayer life. I got one great football news today. The Saints aren't losing. They're not playing either. Next week, we'll, we'll, that, that will be another show. But how do you know, Pastor, that God loves Cajuns so much? Watch this. All of us that have children know you would never ask your children to do something they weren't capable of doing or strong enough to do. Now, they might not think they're strong enough to do it, but as a parent, you know they're strong enough to do it, right? God is the same way. How do I know God loves us so much? Out of the last six greatest natural disasters in American history, in all of American history Louisiana has experienced three of them these four and a half million people of south Louisiana this tiny state there was of course Katrina and Rita how many remember that one Sandy that hit all the east coast New Jersey New York there was the great flood of last August that's number four it was Hurricane Harvey that's number three Hurricane Laura Last year in Lake Charles in South Louisiana and Hurricane Ida, three of the six greatest natural disasters in American history have happened to Cajuns. Why? Because God knows we can handle it. God knows we can handle it. You say, well, why did he start loving somebody else a whole lot more? Why don't they become his favorite children? The reality for you and me is most people don't realize that. But you know what's exciting? What's exciting is in every one of these crises from Katrina all the way to today, the ones that I've been a part of over the last 20 plus years, do you know who's risen to the forefront to bring food, to tarp roofs, to bring generators, to cook food? Do you know who it's been? It's been the church. As a matter of fact, Right now, because of your amazing generosity and our partnership with our church and Mandeville Church of the King, we've now set up feeding areas at their campus at uh, the Esplanade Mall in in Metairie. They're feeding 1,000 people twice a day Through our partnership with Eight Days of Hope, they're powering their entire building. And then at their Little Creek campus, which is a 250,000 square foot building, they're set up there with $2 million worth of moving equipment, clearing out trees, helping people there. With our partnership with Bethany Church, one of the churches I oversee, we set 50 generators there that they are now getting. Uh, Pastor Jonathan told me last night late on the phone, he said, As one of the African-American senators that came to him, and he said, Pastor, I've heard that y'all have generators. He said, yes, we do. They're from us. He said, can we give you one? He said, I would never have one for myself, but could you give one to my parents? They're elderly. We sent 100 generators. There are three men in our community that trust our church that spent $250,000 buying generators in 48 hours so that we could help people. Watch this. Ken Myers, one of our trustees, walked up to me and he said, Pastor, he's shaking his head. He said, I want to tell you something. I was watching the press conference of when the president went to New Orleans with the mayor and with, with, with our governor. He stood up and here's what he said, all well-meaning. We're going to help the great city of New Orleans. We're going to send 250 generators here in the next day or two. We said 290. Just you. So let me show you what God is doing and how you are making a difference all across the state of Louisiana. We're here with Pastor Ross of Bethany Church in Houma. Tell us what's happened, Pastor, with people in your congregation. Rain coming through the roofs, waterfalls in their living rooms, and uh, their kitchens sinking in. We need as much help as we can get in the next coming weeks, for sure. And once you're up on your feet, we want you to be able to raise up the army that God's given you her in Bethany so that you can continue reaching the precious people. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I've been part of going out to help people on hurricane relief, but I've never been on the receiving end, and honestly, it's humbling. Pastor Matt, if you would just tell us just a little bit about how your church has been affected, how this community has been affected, how your family has been affected. Uh, they're saying probably six to eight uh, weeks before we even get electricity down here. Uh, we have people in our congregation, the local uh, a hospital, the roof blown out, blew off. But uh, just about everybody has some type of water in their house. So it's just overwhelming. I told somebody the other day that I'm physically tired, emotionally tired, and spiritually tired. So we're just trying to take it one day at a time. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you for the resources. We're going to continue to get teamed out here to take care of Pastor Matt, his congregation, and his community. Thank you again. We love you. Thank you for all you do. In each one of these situations, it's always the church, black, brown, white, mixed, big churches, small churches. And by the way, I've never seen any atheist organizations there. Not the KKK, not white supremacists, not BLM. It is always the church, and by the way, They may not care for our sexual purity. They may not care about us preaching against divorce and immorality. They might not even agree with our other moral values, but when it comes to generators tarping their roofs, giving them food, their hands are always open and it paves the way for the gospel to come into their lives. I love giving away your money. I feel just like your kids. Jesus had something to say about people who did this in moments like this, that one day we will stand before him. Jesus is talking in Matthew 25, and he says, then the king will turn to those on his right and say, you have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from the foundation of the world. For when you saw me hungry, you, when you found me thirsty, you... When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. And when I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or give you food or something to drink? And when did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? And when did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? And, and when did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Read these next three words with me. Do you what? Don't you what? Say it again. Say it again. He's saying, don't you know, because most of us don't know. That's why he's saying that. Don't you know when you cared for one of the the least of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. Who are the least? That's the question. Who are the least? Now, many of us here are very blessed in many areas of our life. Maybe you have a company. Maybe maybe you've built a lot of relationships over the years. And when your children go somewhere, and somebody walks up and goes, "Uh, uh you a Boudreaux? Yeah, your daddy's tea." That could be anybody in Louisiana. Okay, you you a Jones? You know, you a Mills? You a Smith, you a Mendoza, you, oh, you know what your daddy did for me? You, you, you a Dugas? You, did, oh, you know what? Don't worry, I got your meal. Let me tell you what your daddy did. Let me tell you what your mama did for me. Let me tell, do, do you know why? They would bless you because of who your father is. Do you know what happens when you see somebody standing in the supermarket that you don't know? You look at them and you go, oh, God is your father. Oh, well, I want to bless you. We do it for the least when we do it for people who can't do anything back for us. And we do it for the least when it's those who have nothing but need to identify them in God. That is the least. So one of the great ways that I show that I love God is by serving the least. By serving his children. One of the things many of you here, if you've been here very long, have heard me say over and over and over, nobody ever loves me more than when they love me through my children. Those that do something for my children, nobody ever loves me more when they go, Pastor Jacob's your daddy. And thankfully, I have that relationship with the police and my children are very thankful. (laughs) All of my children are very thankful. But let me say to you, if serving is beneath you, then Christianity is beyond you. I, I'm doing the best I can, I promise. <laughs> okay. If serving is beneath you, if you feel like, oh, that, that's really not my thing. That's really not my thing. If serving is beneath you, then Christianity is beyond you because that is the way that we show our love for God in a practical way. I believe there's three practical ways that we can really show our love for God. First one is with our head. Say with my head. My mindset. Say that, my mindset. The Bible constantly says to set your mind. I got a really nice watch that somebody gave me, but it doesn't matter how nice this watch is if it isn't Set god is giving you a brilliant mind but it doesn't matter unless that mind is set unless it's set how many of you remember last sunday okay what were the rest of you doing hung over from saturday night in lepanda i mean okay. how many remember last sunday okay last sunday morning you know what you were doing you heard the greatest hurricane to hit Louisiana in 145 years is coming. It's category four. It could be category five. By the time it hits, whatever happens is going to be decimated. Laura was hit by something less strong and it decimated Lake Charles and that whole region. How many of you were praying? Come on, be honest. Drunk people were praying. (laughs) Like, what you you, doing? I'm praying. I mean, they said, Lord. God looked down and went, who is that? He looked over, he looked at Peter and said, Peter, who's that? He goes, That's that idiot from Delcom. He always prays when he gets real drunk. <laughs> or Bruce Sartre, Dussard, whoever. I mean, wherever you live. Some of you are going, That's not me. I live in Dusar No, he was you too. <laughs> and so. So they're, they're praying and they're crying. You know what we were doing seven days ago this morning? God, please spare my home. God, please. spare. This is all I got. My trailer, my property, God, my car, my job. We were crying out to God. Do you know what you were doing 48 hours later? You were at work. Your children were at school. You were going to soccer practice, dancing practice, You were thinking about the next basketball game or football game or football season kicking off on Saturday or Sunday. You were were 48 hours later mad because you was at Sonic and they didn't bring your tater tots in time. How can we be crying out to God for mercy to spare us and 48 hours later act as though none of that ever occurred? One of my dearest lifelong friends, Tracy Kerr, and his wife, Carrie, said it like this. He said, my German daddy told me this. Gratitude is the most short-lived emotion there is. We we all know that. How how many of your parents here? How many of your grandparents? Okay, and your, your children ask you for two months, please, 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 could I please? Please, 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 daddy, please, mama, please, please. And you go, okay. And they go, thank you. And what they beg for for months is forgotten in a minute. Well, why is that, Pastor? Because all of us have a fallen nature, and by nature, our attitude, our eyes fall upon looking at ourselves. They do. That's where your mindset goes unless you choose to set it differently man has fallen and so he naturally falls into selfishness and the only one that can help us not do that is god himself that's why the beginning of christianity is it's not a self-improvement program it's actually just the exact opposite it begins with self-denial that's why jesus looked at a group of people that wanted to follow him when they found out he could walk on water he could turn loaves and bread. They were thinking, what kind of restaurant could we have? Hey, we're out of rice. Psst, never mind. We got more. We know what to do with. And they came to him and said, we want to follow you. He said, good. If you want to follow me, here's how it starts. Deny yourself. Then take up your cross. You know why you have to deny yourself, first? Because until you deny yourself, you can't carry the cross. You're carrying all of your cares. You're not carrying any of his. Deny yourself, take up your cross, then you can follow me. Because until that moment, you're following you and your passions and your desires. This has to be a mindset. Solomon, who we've been going through the series on wisdom, said in Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks in his heart, what? So is he. That's what we naturally do. We naturally fall to thinking about Ourselves, So we go from crying out for mercy to seven days later, what you cooking this afternoon? How are we going to get rid of all that gumbo we cooked with a hurricane? There is an acronym. If you've been around Christianity long, you've heard over and over about how true joy comes. It comes by putting Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Joy. Say that with me. Who first? Jesus. Then Then, do you know why you have to work at doing that? Because naturally we invert that the other way. We think of ourselves first. Others second. And Jesus last. Today, you and I have the opportunity to do the exact opposite of what the world is doing. I said, nobody ever blesses me or loves me more than when they love me through my children. That's how God feels. That's how God feels. Holy, why are you doing this for them? Because of him. Because of him. In John 3, 17, John says this, 1 John 3, 17, if anyone says he is a fellow believer, anyone sees a fellow believer in what? Need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him. How is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Did, did you see the pastor there? The first church was Bethany Church. That was Pastor Ross Abair. We got there, my boys and I got there. I said, Pastor Ross, how's your house? And before I called, I said, we're going to bring dehumidifiers, fans, generators. Well, how's your house? He said, I, I, I walked through. I think it's all right. We got there, windows blown out. This is the first house he and his young wife had purchased in their first pastorate. Water's coming down the wall. We checked the rug under his bed in the master bedroom, soaked. I go, pastor, do you smell that smell in here? <laughs> okay, there's water all over this building. Really? And to be able to go in And to bring room air conditioners, dehumidifiers, fans, dry him out, and then go over. I said, how's y'all's church office building? He goes, oh, it finished. It did well. Our guys got up on the roof. You could look down inside the building. Joseph tarped the roof. Do do you know why? if we can get the churches on their feet, then these pastors can lead the armies of their people and help them and they can in turn be the hands and feet of Jesus to the rest of the community. The second pastor you saw on there is, is from a little Baptist church in Cutoff, Louisiana. And when they pulled up to see him three days ago, he was sitting in his 1994 Chevrolet truck looking at his building, his building was damaged. His house, the roof was almost completely ripped off, leaked all over the roof, water all over the floor. The wood floors have to be pulled up. Sheetrock has to be. In. They're still living there. They're still living there. Pastor Nick pulled him aside and said, Hey, what do you need financially? He said, "Oh, Oh, we're good. Pastor Nick pulled his wife aside and he said, your husband said that y'all are good. She said, what she means is we have a deductible on our insurance of $10,000. Our whole savings is $10,000. We're going to put that so that the insurance will take care of our house and do their part. And Pastor Nick and Ken Myers called me, one of our trustees. I said, you tell that pastor, I don't know what it's going to take but we're going to pay the deductible. We're going to rip up the floors. We're going to deal with the house. We're going to deal with it. We're going to do that, and we're going to go, and we're going to fix that church and make them a hub, and we're going to take care of everything. Now, before you clap, stop. Before you clap, because I know you want to clap. (laughs) Except that we told one of the wonderful couples in our church that this is their heart, what we wanted to do, and you know what they said? Pastor, we're going to take care of all of it ourselves. Our business will take care of it. That's being the hands and feet of Jesus in people's greatest hour. And we do it with our head, we do it with their heart. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I can tell where your treasure is. All I have to do is to look at your checkbook, your credit cards, and your calendar. Whatever fills those, that's what your heart is filled with. Your heart always leads you to what you love. Here's the third thing, w- with your hand, with your hand. Jesus was about to teach his disciples something that blew them away. Everywhere they went, once Jesus became popular and began doing miracles, there were crowds and people were honored to have him. One day he was going to a big dinner that was stoned in his honor. The disciples were behind him, following When you went to a home, when you got there, outside each home, if you've seen anything about Israel, the Middle East, you've seen that it's mountains and it's sand everywhere. So back then, people wore sandals. So before you went into somebody's house, you washed your feet, took off your sandals, or else you drug dirt in everywhere you went. So there was a basin in poor houses that you would wash your feet out on the outside and go in. But in affluent houses, there were servants there to wash your feet they've done this many times jesus is leading the charge he gets there first they're of course preferring jesus and jesus sees the servant there prepared to wash his feet and jesus says excuse me i got this and the servant said what he said i got this so he took the basin wrapped a towel around him he said come on guys i'm going to wash your feet and how many of you are grateful for peter the disciple that was rebuked by the father the son and the holy ghost at one point or another in his lifetime what a thing to put on your biography. Peter comes up. He was the first one, of course. He's behind Jesus. I'm with Jesus. I'm with him. You know it. Jesus said, give me your foot. Peter you will never, ever, ever wash my feet. Jesus said, okay, well, then you don't have anything to do with me. Next, he goes, wait a minute. Give me a shower then. And he said, Peter, I just need to wash your foot so you can stick it in your mouth here just shortly in a minute. And Jesus washed every one of the disciples' feet. And when he got through washing their feet, here's what he said. So if I then, your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you are to wash one another's feet as well. For I gave this to you as a example so that you should do in turn as I have done for you. I assure you, most solemnly say to you, a slave is no greater than his master and no one who is sent is greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, if you know what it means to be a servant, if you know what it means to stoop down, if you know what it means to do whatever it takes to serve others, blessed and what? Happy and favored by God if you put them in to practice. Mother Teresa said it like this, a life not lived for others is not a life. Someone else said there's no package wrapped so tight as someone wrapped up in themselves. I want to say again, if serving is beneath you, then Christianity is beyond you. Because we serve the King who became a slave the God who became flesh that's who we serve today you were wired to serve and that's why you're the happiest when you do you you know why I'm here physically standing right here today you know I'm physically standing right here Let me show you what I'm talking about. How many of you were in this building when we built it? You you were here, you were with us in the church before we built this building. Raise your hand, raise your hand, okay. How many of you came afterwards, raise your hand. Look at me, do you know why you're here? Because the people that just raised their hands wanted to invest in you before they ever knew you. The church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. You know who we exist for? The people that are driving by. The people that go by and go, oh, those churches, all they care about, they don't want to help anybody. That's who we exist for. To be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Now, you know why I'm here? Because a group of people in a very small church saw a junior high school in the Mexican ghetto of Houston and said, God, we're going to do something to help those people. And when they did that, they didn't know that. But a 14 year old Jacob Aranza with hair down to here, smoking weed every morning from a broken home, daddy married, all was, they were talking about me. Who are we reaching today? Who are we reaching today? We don't know, but I know who they are. They're God's kids. They're God's kids. Now I'm gonna get real with you just a minute. How many of you know people in the Homa Thibodeau area? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have a brother or a sister or near relative in Homa Thibodeau? Cut off any of those areas right here. Okay. How many of you have already checked on them? How many of you have done what you can to help them? And do you know why the rest of you are still sitting here? Besides those people that raise their hand, what would you do if it was your, if that pastor was your brother? What would you do if his wife was your sister? But every time it rained, it rained in the house. They were sitting there and he, what would you, would you be happy where you are right now sitting here in this cool air condition? Not at all. It's when we love the least that we truly love him. just because it's him. The local church is the hope of the world and you are the army of the local church. Now all giving is not the same. There are people that give to other organizations. They're all nice in their own way with Salvation Army, United Way, all kinds of different things jesus said whenever something is done in my name whenever a cup of water is given in my name when you serve in my name the issue is not that they get help the issue is that they believe the help came from god and not man let me give you a practical example of that that you will love watch find the first person to give you a hug and give them 500 dollars hello I was just wondering if I could have a hug. I haven't had a hug in a long time. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much. I actually have something for you. I want to give you $500. What? For me? Because you gave me a hug. Oh! Yeah! <laughs> you're the first person to give oh, me a hug. I can't who... <laughs> me. You're the best man. Close you. God's got you, bro. He's got you, man. It's a miracle for me, man. What's that? It's a miracle for me. It's a miracle for you. Yeah. Really, you needed it. Today, the work, the guy, the house, for finish work, he uh, give for each $20. Yeah. Really? At the job, he paid everyone except <laughs> you, and you did the same work. Dang, so God saw that. He saw your heart was so pure, and he gave you 500 Thank you, my God. That's what happens, just like the lady at the grocery store. It's not that it comes from a man, but that they know that the only reason we're doing it is because we believe they were created in the image of God, and they're as valuable as you and me, and they're as valuable as our children, and anybody else that we love. Wow, I love giving away your money. I'm so proud of you as a church. It is such a privilege and an honor to be your pastor. It is such a privilege and an honor to be able to say to people, you have needs and we have a big God that sees everything you've gone through. Hey, those pastors are going to be taken care of. Actually, they're going to be amply taken care of. Somebody grabbed me in between services after I shared that story and said, "Pastor." This is to care for the deductible. I opened it up just now. It's a check for $10,000. I spoke to a pastor this week. His entire church was destroyed. We want to go in to these hard-hit communities and help the pastors so when they get on their feet, they can be the hope of the world to their communities as well. That's, that's our call. It's our call. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today that each of us are needy in different areas of our life. We thank you for preserving us so that we could be a blessing to those that have experienced the fallenness of this world. God, you love those people every bit as much as you love us. That's why we were spared so we could be a blessing and be your hands and feet to them. today we're reminded again because of tragedy that we're not home yet there is one day coming a world where there will be no hurricanes there will be no covid there will be no hatred there will be no division it's our true home called heaven today we pray for even the hospitals all across acadiana and louisiana that are flooded Lord, we pray that you would enable us to be your hands and feet in the hour of need. We are a blessed church, and you've called us to be a blessing. Lord, I thank you for changing each life that's here. Each life, each life, each life. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question in the world. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Have you been born again? You say, pastor, what does that mean? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they died spiritually. And every person born since then has been spiritually dead. Jesus told us in the book of John, Four twenty-four. that God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What that means is until you become spiritually alive, you don't even have the capacity to know God. That happens the moment you're born again. A very religious man came to Jesus named Nicodemus and said, Jesus, I know that you're a teacher who's come from God. And that's when Jesus said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus. I know you're a religious teacher, but unless you're born again, you can't enter into the kingdom. You say, Pastor, I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that good enough? That's a great start, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, You must be born again. So, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you and give you an opportunity to be born again today. You say, Pastor, how can I do that? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. Either he died for your sin or you will. Someone will die for your sin. See, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior through repentance as you turn away from sin. And you can't do that without him to be born again. Being born again only happens once, just like the day you were born. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to count to the count of three. On the count of three, if you've never been born again, and today, you want to be born again. Today, you want to turn to God and turn away from sin. Today, you want to become spiritually alive. Then I'm going to just ask you to raise your hand up real high, and I'm going to pray for you. won't embarrass you. Just pray for you right at your seat, right where you are. Again, it only happens once, just like the day you were born. One, God brought you here. Nothing's an accident. Not even the fact that you're here and how you came. Two, everything in your life has been leading to this moment. God has been reaching out to you over and over. And now is your moment to be born again. Three, if that's you, lift your hand high. Lift it high. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I see your hand. Yes. Put your hands down. I'm going to ask one last time. Pastor, I didn't raise my hand, but my heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. Would you pray for me today, Pastor? I need to be born again. If that's you, raise your hand and wave it at me if you didn't raise your hand yet, because I'm asking this last time just for you. Wave it at me. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, church, let's pray out loud with those that raise their hand to be born again. We're all gonna join you in this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again. In Jesus' name, amen.